0: Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you.
1: Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters Podcast. My name's Dan Carson, and I've got with me Chris Vines. Hey Chris. Hey Dan. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chance to be together. Um, I know the last time we talked, you were talking about a community-wide sing-along, and I saw
2: some pictures pop up. How did that go? Yeah, man. Well, we did, we did it. It was, uh, it was great. We sang, um, and we sang along with each other. And so I would call that a success. Uh, especially for a out single to do, We did. <laughs> yeah, it was good. We had, uh, just real quick, we had, um, it was follow or it followed a community parade, Christmas parade. And so we had several people who were either in the parade or came from the parade that joined us afterwards. And, um, and it wasn't at our church. It was in, uh, what is known as the uh, Paul Clips Auditorium? Uh, it's an histor- historic auditorium in our community, and uh, anyway, this was our second annual Christmas Carol Community Sing Along, and it was it was fun. We had a good time.
1: Well, I love just the whole concept behind it. Um, it's something in the community. It's not tied to your church building. It has a chance to reach out and love on. Families And provide something for families. Um, So it's just a fantastic thing. Like I said, I I saw some pictures on social media and loved seeing that. Since we last talked, I had a chance to go to CBC's Christmas uh, music concert, and they did a great job as well. Uh, Before we get into our conversation today about being a woman in student ministry with Heidi Sorrells, let me share about our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway central baptist college is engaging inspiring and challenging and so if you have a student who is looking for some direction in that next step in their vocational life uh, central baptist college is a place for them they have professors who love and care about their students and want to pray for them and with them it's a, a great place my daughter is in her third year finishing up this first semester um, just a, uh, I i think this week we're a final so um be praying for Central Baptist College, those college students. Um, but you might be a, a, a student yourself. Maybe you didn't finish your bachelor's degree and you'd like to go back and do that. I'd encourage you to reach out to cbc.edu. They have what's called a PACE program that is designed for those that maybe have a few hours but would like to finish up a degree. And you can do that from your own home. It's online. It's a way for you to, to do that. So, again, cbc.edu. Well, as I mentioned, we have Heidi Sorrels with us. Heidi is the ministry director for students at South City Church in Little Rock, Arkansas with Pastor Drew Klein. Um, she also serves with the BMA of America Missions Office in their, as their pastoral advocate. Did I say that right, Heidi?
3: Pastor advocate, yes.
1: Pastor advocate, thank you. Well, I am thrilled to have you on the, the program, Heidi.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Hey, I'm thrilled, well, too.
3: Thanks, Chris. Don't
1: leave me Yeah, Glad you're here, Heidi.
3: I'm glad to be here, too, you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I've known Heidi for these past few years. She serves on our board, our committee for student ministry matters, in addition to these other roles that she has within our her church and our churches. And so it's just exciting for us to have her on the program today. And we want to talk about a few things, uh, but we've got to start with just some We used to call them random questions of the week. We haven't done that in a while, but we've got you on here, so we're going to ask you a question. What is your favorite Christmas goodie? What do you like to eat at Christmas time?
3: Oh, you know, I'm all about the sweets. So pretty much anything sweet, but I I really love fudge. I'm just going to come out and say it's so rich and awful, but it's so good. And so Mm -hmm. I, I really love fudge, and I don't love every kind of fudge, though. So I've got to pretty much make it myself and make the kind that my mom made growing up. And I, I'll eat that till mm. I get sick. So I have to watch out.
2: Let me, let me ask Heidi one follow-up question to that because I need you bet Heidi, you, you said you make it yourself. But if you were to go buy it
3: yep. where, anywhere
2: mm. in the world, where would you go?
3: See, I have never found fudge that I bought that I liked. I'm, I'm just no. going to be honest. So
2: you're, you're a fudge <laughs> snob.
3: I'm a fudge snob. I've never thought of it that way, but I like nice. fudge snob. That sounds, that sounds hey, crazy. That's okay.
2: That is okay. That is okay. That's and good. Well,
3: way better than mine. I just have a kind that I'm used to and I don't like yeah. it, you know, a certain way.
2: Nothing wrong with that. And leave the Nothing nuts wrong with that.
3: out. Leave the nuts out too.
2: Yeah. Hey, I'm with you there. Absolutely. Dan, answer your question quickly. Uh, goodness, my, my favorite Christmas goodie. I, I'm going to go with the little Debbie Christmas tree.
1: That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one.
2: Pre-bought, you know, or pre-made, but yeah, that's a, little a good one. Christmas tree. And if like. anybody out there is wondering, I do like the chocolate ones. Uh, the white ones are good too, but I like the chocolate ones.
3: Those are good. My kids like them.
1: Well, my mom makes. It's not a not a hard thing to make, but you the white chocolate covered pretzels. I love Mm -hmm. those things. I could eat them by the bucket load, and over the years, I probably have. Mm -hmm. So, Heidi, you've got kids in the house, um, some that are a little older, some that are younger. What's the favorite thing that you make? Do they Is the fudge on the top of their list, or what do they really like?
3: Yeah, they do. I mean, a couple of them really, really, really like like my fudge, Um, but they also like the cookies that I make. So, I make some pretty good chocolate chip cookies. Those always kind of make their way out a lot during the year, but they just have to, you know, they have to pop up at Christmas time too. And then I don't, um, I finally, I don't know
2: if I believe you, by the way, Heidi, oh, you're going you're to, to prove, you're gonna have to, yeah, you're going to yeah, have to prove that. Yeah, I
3: was gonna say. Well, and then also I finally learned how to make really good cinnamon rolls because I'm a cinnamon roll snob too. And mm. I mean, I, I mean, I, I like Cinnabon cinnamon rolls and you know how big and gooey and crazy those mm-hmm. are. In fact, I used to like, Love going to the airport because that was like the only place you could get a cinnamon around here. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I can finally make some, and I've heard that your wife Sydney, Chris, can make some pretty good cinnamon rolls as well. So
2: yeah, she can. That. You know, I think you guys should each make some cinnamon rolls, um, and, <laughs> and 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 let us just kind of figure out like which ones off? might be better. A roll yeah, yeah, cinnamon. a roll off. Yeah, let's do that. Make some fudge <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> I think that's a fantastic idea. Could we do uh, this episode at the store
3: fundraiser?
2: Sure, <laughs> let's do it. That'd be great.
3: You know, you got to always think that way in student ministry.
2: Yeah, you do. You I got to think. How can, can think I make money off this? That's <laughs> how bad. can i yep. that's rule great. number one. Always ask. How can I make money from this?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we we did a uh, fundraiser for LifeWord a few years ago, and I told my students that hey, if you raise fifteen hundred dollars by yourself. I will take on the Kirby's Cupcakes Goliath Challenge. And now their Goliath Challenge is a cupcake that's equal to 22 regular cupcakes. And you have 30 minutes to eat it. And needless to say, I did not finish it in time. Mm. However, I surprised one of my big football playing students, and he demolished that thing. So he's on the wall of fame at Kirby's Cupcakes and Rogers. I'm on the wall of shame. And so. <laughs> That's
3: uh, funny. That's but funny. it
1: was motivation. It got them given yeah. given towards it and, and getting them out there to do it. So. Love it. Well, Heidi, you know, we're going to we're want to talk about um, being a woman in student ministry because Chris and I aren't. <laughs> uh, we wanted to have you on here uh, to talk about some of those things. But before we do that, uh, one, though, besides just this talk of food and sweets, which. Is fantastic. I want our, our people to get to know you a little bit better from a kind of a different perspective. And so, how did you come to know Jesus?
3: Um, yeah. So, I was saved when I was nine years old um, and baptized when I was 12. Um, but it was within um, a religious construct that was very legalistic and a very set apart part outwardly. So, um, like, as women, we all wore dresses and had long hair and no makeup and we didn't meet in a church building we met in homes and um, so there were some really great simple things about about that and growing up, but there were some there were some hard aspects too that I had to to grow and come along to know um, as God grew me. but I truly was saved at nine. Um, i I felt the Lord speaking to my heart and was in the Bible and thankful that my parents, um, Rose, you know, I was raised in a home where my parents, um, made that important. And so that was kind of my, my early, early beginnings, a little different than probably most people, but that, that, that was my early beginnings walking with the Lord and being baptized, um, in a, a little river with a train going by in the background when I was 12 years old.
1: Yeah. And that is a little bit different. I know that When I was saved um, at a little church in in Missouri, White Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Potosi, Missouri, a couple of weeks before I got saved, a gentleman wanted to be baptized in the river. Well, this was December in Missouri. I had a lot of pause about accepting Christ during that period if that was going to be the same case for me. I did not want to drown and freeze in a river. However... Um, We did have a small baptistry in that church, and so I didn't have to do that. But what you described is probably a little different than many of our listeners Mm -hmm. experienced. You know, a great follow up for me is how did you end up in ministry? You're serving as the ministry director at South City, um, working with students. Um, Then you're also involved with the BMA of America Missions Office. How did you end up in ministry from a place like that?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was quite a road and I you mean, know, I look back and see God's goodness and God's grace all along the way. I guess to kind of tie my my childhood into my adulthood, I'll I'll just I'll just move us in that direction by by telling you that it really took me moving away from home and being on my own. So I'm from upstate New York and I'm in Arkansas. So um really moving far away from home and beginning to figure out what walking with Jesus looked like as an adult. And um, by God's grace, He led me to, to church and the reality of grace and what gifting and serving in the body of Christ looks like. And so I'm so grateful for that. But I really didn't get called to student ministry um, until I was a mom. So that's pretty probably pretty unusual too. For a lot of people. Before that, I was a piano teacher. My background's in in music, and I was a fashion stylist with a talent agency, um, and later for the internet department with Dillard's. So I've done a lot of different things, but in ministry, I served um, with the worship team, so piano playing and keyboard playing and um, connection team ministry. I did a lot with that women's ministry and prayer team ministry. So that was kind of my background in ministries before student ministry came on the horizon. But I remember being so convicted as a a young mom about how I was seeing moms raise their daughters really in our culture and in our society today. And it was just really breaking my heart. Um, I was seeing, you know, all these moms that were kind of slaves to what the culture standards of beauty say um, and being kind of slaves to relationships and maybe coming out of multiple divorces. And so just seeing a lot of my kids' friends growing up in these homes where their moms were really not um, strong role models for what it would look like to walk with Jesus um, as a young lady and to be confident in that identity and so my heart just really began to break for these young, young women. At that time, our church was going through Proverbs, and I just remember being struck by all of the truths that you find there about even just the young men being lured away and um, just the voice of wisdom that we do need to listen to. And so God just really began to put this prompting on my heart to do something. And, um, you know, and I'll say that men and women may be called to ministry in some different ways, but as, as a woman, I think there are lots of places that you can be a leader and that there truly is this prompting that God can put on your heart and it becomes pretty unmistakable. So, you know, I just couldn't get away from it. And I was reading all the books I could read on, um, just even like the topic of purity and, what it would mean um, to help young women learn how to walk in that and why, why they should even want to. Um, if, if their mothers weren't teaching them, was there a way I could teach them? And um, God just put a call on my heart to go out into the community and start some Bible studies with, with teenage girls in the community. And I just remember advertising those in different ways. And our first group met at the library in town and just began to do that. And I remember I used to go and pick up some girls from the high school so I could bring them over to that. And um, it just, it was just something pretty special. And I didn't feel like I was doing a whole lot, but that I was being obedient to what God had, had called me to do during that time. And so um, I did that for about three years. Then I was asked to step into leading the student ministry during a time of transition at the church I was at. It was just a time where they didn't have a leader and they knew a little bit about some of the things that I was doing in the community. Uh, Some of the, some of the students at our church were even involved in some of those Bible study groups. They just really, they just really liked that smaller group setting where they could, you know, really have some accountability and discipleship. And so I was just asked to step in if I'd be willing to step in and, just lead that temporarily and i remember thinking you know i'm not, i'm not like who am i to do this like i'm not equipped to do this and in our our circle of churches i might i might be the only woman doing that and am i supposed to do that i just remember struggling with all those things but just praying about it and agreeing to go ahead and do it temporarily and then it wasn't too long before they they asked me if i would just come on and be on staff and fill that role. So that's how I kind of got started there. And I spent four years with that church and um, in that role. And then now I'm at South City Church, which is a replant of Temple Baptist Church. Some of our listeners may know that church. And I've had the very scary privilege of starting up a multicultural student ministry from ground zero. So that has been a huge challenge and it's been all god because I'll, I'll never be someone that tells you that I know what i'm doing because I really feel like i didn't. God has been so faithful to show just to lead to lead the ministry i don't feel like I am the ministry leader I feel like it's god's ministry and he's the ministry leader and so just come at it from that perspective and he's been so faithful
1: so heidi where're um you described that the first church where you were you were working with students, basically out in the community, and then you had students that were involved in the church as well as there. Uh, was that in the Little Rock area? What, where were you doing that at?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm, I actually live in Maumelle, which is a suburb between Little Rock and Conway. And so um, that's where I was doing all of that um, that ministry work. Uh, it was just easy to um, kind of step into that space of need in our own community. And I felt like that mm. that was where I knew people and that's, that's where I could be most effective. Um, so not just where our, our kids actually went to two different schools in town. All our girls went to a charter school um, and just one, my one son, oldest son was at Momo high school, but Um, I was trying to reach out to any of the schools in the area. So it wasn't just based on one school or attendance from one school. It was was any girls in any of the schools that wanted to come and be a
0: part of that.
1: Well, now you're at South City Church, which is... On the south, uh, well, south side of of Little Rock, Arkansas, Um, it's I would say it's a more urban church. Is that a fair description in comparison? More of suburban church where you were at before. Yes, Um, kind of describe the differences there.
3: There were there there are a lot of differences where I am at South City. We're definitely way more of a multicultural church and that's something that you're going to typically find anyway in more of an urban setting. That has been really great and that's been something that I've been glad, something that has that has stretched me that I've been glad for. I think it, it reflects God's heart for the diversity of people and um, you know as we know one day every tribe and tongue and nation will stand before him. That's right.
1: That's so right.
3: um it's it's just been it's been neat to kind of learn how to minister to different families and students from different cultural backgrounds. And we have a pretty big Hispanic population at South City. So that's been really neat. I mean, we've had to navigate students coming into our ministry that didn't speak a word of English. And I don't speak any Spanish unless we were talking about Dora the Explorer Spanish and you guys know Dora the Explorer. I mean, that's really I basic, <laughs> rudimentary Spanish, so I'm not much help there. So, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because when I first came into South City, um, Elvis Garcia, you probably know, you guys probably know him, but he, he leads um, Hispanic ministry for the Baptist Missionary Association of North America and he is also one of the pastors at South city church, but he said, no, you know, the, the Hispanic parents might not know English, but the students always, they always know English. Like most of them are born here or been here since they were little and they just pick it up so fast. You're, you're probably not going to run into that. Well, it wasn't very long before we ran into that and we had some students that had come right over from the Guatemala area and just they didn't know any, any English. So navigating things like that, it's been interesting and and it's been good and it's been beautiful to see. Um, And then, you know, we have African-American population in our student group, which I love. I was pretty much used to just an all white population. At my right, right. church, and so um, I'm very glad just to be able to have a chance to be part of a diverse ministry.
1: I know that for many of us, um, our churches are kind of that. Um, it's a homogeneous unit that that mindset. It, that's a old church growth term, but it's just this idea of well, all these people are going to be very similar and look very very much the same and come from a similar background. Um, But you're at a different place now. And that's exciting work that's going on there. Um, And so I just, I was kind of curious what that, the difference is. Um, One of the other things that I'm curious of, you talked about a uh, suburban church versus kind of a more urban setting. Uh, Do you have, like in our case, or at least in my case, most of the students that are involved in our church, their parents are involved in our church? Is that the same in your setting?
3: A lot of the parents are involved, thankfully, but some aren't. And okay. um, and in fact, I, it's more and more becoming that the parents aren't because these students are really inviting their friends and we're starting to see friends saved and baptized. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. But our prayer and our hope is to reach their families, too, because at right. this point, a lot of them are coming just them and maybe their families came for the baptism, you know, but. They haven't, they haven't come back. And so um, we're starting to see more and more of that, which is a challenge to navigate. We want to reach reach those families and have them all be a part.
1: So you mentioned something as you were talking about becoming a, a new mom and uh, looking at ministry, maybe even a little bit differently than you did the years before that. Share a little bit more about that. What did it mean to you or what prompted kind of that change in mindset? as you looked at um, the needs of your kids and the needs of the the kids that are in the community?
3: Well, I I think one of the things that prompted it was just kind of realizing that I had never really had anyone to pour into me when I'd been that age um, to give me really foundational biblical information about why God says to live a certain way especially in the area of purity and holiness, which in some in some instances it seems like everyone wants to skirt around. So I was very focused on that. I was seeing the destruction that sexual immorality was having on homes and marriages and children and um, children of divorce and just relationships in general. And it was really breaking my heart. I wanted to, to be a voice, if I could be, in even if it was just one student's life to say, God has very good reasons for what he's laid out in his word. And there are really good reasons why he wants you to live a certain way. And he, he has a perfect design. And um, so I just wanted to see if, I could speak into that at all and and help because um, even now you look around in culture and, it, and there's just so much devastation from this idea of find your own truth and be your own person. And again, a lot of it revolves around that area, really of purity. And um, it boils down to, you know, what do people really think about God? Just wanting to be a voice in that arena because I wasn't hearing it, talked about a lot, even in church, you know, so wanting to be in these smaller conversations um, with girls and being able to have those kind of real accountable conversations and give, give them some biblical truth to stand on. Um, So that's really kind of what changed it for me. I was saying, you know, what, what do I wish I could have had in my teenage years in my life? And can I be that person to somebody else? That's what initially began to change it all for me. And then God gave me a greater circle of influence, which I wasn't definitely asking for and scared me to walk into. But he gave me a a greater circle of influence where I was able to even minister to boys in in, in a right setting, um, also by bringing on other leaders, um, male leaders to be on my team, where we could also begin to resource and equip, and encourage young men to live in this way as well.
2: How do you know what I, I? I love hearing you say it, it's just as simple. I want to be obedient to where to Jesus, where He has yeah. me with what He's given me. Um, you know, you you you've just been faithful, and this this may even sound uh, come to you as a little bit uncomfortable because you don't like the spotlight. I can tell, uh, and it's not about you, and that's. Uh, that's exactly right but that's what i that's what I love hearing is the Lord saved you he he called you to to serve him and to be obedient to him and um, I love hearing you say you're you have a heart for discipleship uh, you have a heart to lead others uh, to Christ and to a deeper relationship with him and uh and and you're just you're just being faithful to to him uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for you I really am I mean that uh, and I'm thankful that the Lord is has has Increased your your uh, platform, if you want to call it that, your your field of of opportunity, uh, whatever you want to say. Um, you, you've just been faithful, and you are continuing to be faithful to him. And so, thank you for that. I, I love hearing that. I, I don't want to interrupt Dan too much here, but I am curious because because I, I just you shared your heart on discipleship. What what have been maybe two or three of the most influential books that uh, that you love to recommend when it comes to just leading people into a, a deeper relationship with Christ. Um, obviously I know the Bible, right? So don't, don't think that I'm not, I'm discounting the Bible, but what, what do you, what do you love to recommend?
3: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, I mean, I have a very specific passion toward teaching young people how to walk in purity and holiness. And so wow. I'm I'm often trying to teach on that and bring, um, bring an awareness to that and let's not keep this hidden and let's not have these conversations. Let's not, not go there. I, I will tell you a book that I've found recently. In fact, we're going to be using it in a, a series coming up starting December. Um, it's called God's design and why it matters. Rethinking hmm. sexuality with Dr. Julie Slatterty. And, um, this is a great, great book. It's a basically sexual discipleship, if you will, um, which I think is needed, which I think is so needed, um, among our teenagers. So that's yeah. what I would mention every young man's battle, every young woman's battle. It's kind of an oldie, but goodie. Um, yeah. but along, along these lines, those are the books that I would
0: recommend.
2: Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Uh, I got a little bit more fun question, um, too, right? My, my, my questions aren't super deep, but, uh, do you do Beautiful. you get giddy when you see a spreadsheet?
3: Do Are you I get top giddy? A?
2: Yeah. Do you yeah, get giddy? Do you get excited over spreadsheets, or do you get stressed?
3: I get so no. Stressed. I think it's because okay. I'm a musician and I'm like, at uh, art, I'm a creative. Um, but then I also I also love love to dream and envision, and I and I okay. want the details to be there. I really do. Yeah. But I'm a list maker. I will make my own okay. spreadsheet with a ruler and some <laughs> markers. That's more me. So.
2: Okay. So you do you do like the straight lines, but you want to be kind of creative within those straight lines. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: No, that's good. That's good. I just think that tells a lot about a person. And and I and I like I'm no, I'm not gonna say that I get giddy over a spreadsheet, but I, I do like I do like seeing some good spreadsheets out there every now and then. Uh, I'll, I'll admit that. So I, I like asking.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I like
2: asking that question, especially as someone who is a director, organi- organizer, you know, things like that. So yeah. um, so I'm going to pitch it back to Dan after this question. But w- what would you say is the uh, for, for where you are in, at South City, um, understanding everything that you said about just where you are. You're in an urban setting. You're some multicultural setting, church Um and you've already said some things uh, in this regard, but what would you say is the biggest challenge, or at least one of the biggest challenges that you have, just reaching your city, reaching your community where you are uh, as being a part of South City Church? What is, what's one of the biggest challenges you face?
3: Yeah, and I think this is a, a, a struggle that that is church-wide, not just in student ministry, but the area that the church is located. Um, in is, a, is a very low income area, but it's also an industrial area. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of industry right around the church versus housing, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And so um, therefore, we also have a lot of church members living a ways away from church and, and driving in. And it, yeah. it has to be that way. There, there's no housing right there right beside the church or right around the church. Um, So, you know, it means that um, everyone needs to be on the mission field in their, in their neighborhoods and in their schools and in their communities. And so um, as a church, we've been really working on this idea of multiplication and disciples that are making disciples. But um, I mean, we're also trying to do that in student ministry itself. And so, just trying to disciple these students to help them um, be on mission in their community and and be a light and 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 to be equipped to disciple someone else, whether it's a younger mm-hmm. brother or sister or a friend that either needs Jesus or is just coming along in their faith. And so we're yeah. we're starting to see that. But discipleship is always challenging. I think you guys would agree agree with that. And so um, that's that's our biggest challenge right now. Yeah
2: that's so good you know i mean it's it's good that you say that because i think we're going to have several of our people listening to this and they're going to say you know what well I'm, I'm i'm a country church i'm a small country church uh we're we're very rural we're not urban so um what what can i gain from this but one, I I was, I was wondering if you were going to go there because I know a little bit about your church. We could spend a whole episode talking about the history of temple and, or South city. Now, you know, you said South city is a replant of temple church that, that has a whole backstory to it, but yeah, no. So knowing where you are, you're, I think it's good for, even if uh, for our our listeners who are in rural areas to hear that because you're not landlocked, but like you said, one of the difficulties is people getting to your church and in a rural setting, um, if you're a small country church, we have the same issues sometimes because you're, you're a little church maybe in the middle of maybe nowhere and then people are coming from distances, from houses. And so youth groups don't tend to be super big. Um, and, and so your, your focus is, is you certainly want more people to come, but you also know that that's not always a possibility because either I mean they're not going to walk 20 miles and, and and let's just face it, as much as we'd love to go pick everybody up, we can't pick everybody up, and so um, I, I think you—you you saying what you did about being on mission where you are, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and and helping students understand the importance of of that, and and that it's not just being on mission inside of a youth room, okay. um, but but making disciples where they are, um, I, I, think that's, I think that's so key. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm encouraged by that. I appreciate it very much. We
1: had such a great time talking with Heidi Sorrels about student ministry and, and women in student ministry that we decided to make this a two-parter. So on our next episode, you'll hear more from our conversation with Heidi. Now, if you have any questions, anything you'd like to share with us, be sure to send that to info at studentministrymatters.com. Until next time, remember that student ministry matters.
0: Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.